Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to another episode of Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me a first-timer attending the Cannes Film Festival. Can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, Stuart. My name's Dominic Pillai, and I'm the writer-director of Sirens Bay, which was shown at the short film corner of Cannes 2016. Okay, do you want to give us a brief synopsis of Sirens Bay? Sure, it's a psychological gothic horror, um, very much in the vein of the sort of M.R. James ghost stories at Christmas. Uh, so I, I saw Whistlehammer come to you at a young and impressionable age, and it made a, a big impression on me. And so I wanted to sort of take that sort of genre uh, and give it a slightly different spin. Indeed, it did not. It was the first thought that entered my head when I watched it, was Whistle and I Will Come. Oh, great. That's, uh, that's brilliant. You go right down to the fact you've got an academic there as well. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I've, I've always sort of liked that premise, and I guess what I wanted to do differently with it, because uh, obviously M.R. James's stories uh, are quite uh, male-dominated, uh, and that's sort of to do with the time in which they're written, and also his own sort of private life. Um, I thought I'd like to sort of put a, a, a feminist spin on it. And I've become very interested in the idea of the Bechdel test. Uh, are, you, are you aware of that, Stuart? I am indeed, yes. Yeah. Should I just say what it yeah, is? Yeah, just, by all means, yeah. yeah, by all means. Yeah, so, so the Bechdel test is, I think it was done in, was it Sweden or somewhere Nordic? Anyway, the, the, the idea is uh, to find a film which has got two female characters in a, that have a conversation with each other that's about something that isn't about men. And it's surprising how many films don't pass that test. Uh, so I just sort of thought, well, um, I would just, I, I wouldn't write it as, I would just write it as it would be men and just swap it over and, and not make a big deal of it, basically. Mm. Just, I'm just, cu- I was just curious to enter a world where there were no men present at all. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Now you've told me, it's patently obvious that there are no men, male characters for me to see either. Yeah, I never thought about it. Well, I'm glad that it isn't like rams in your face. So I'm glad that you didn't notice. Well, no, the thing is, it is it's only when you talk about these things. It's, it's more, it, it's good and refreshing in the sense that um, clearly we barely ever recognise when it's all men. And in fact, yeah. they've, they've done some studies, I think, on extras and the like when. Um, even even women themselves voting on this, where they go, where you have a sort of, if you did a 50-50 of men and women in the street, mm. people surveyed say that doesn't look normal, you know, for like background shots. 
Yeah. Right? It's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. The kind of science yeah. of how we perceive the world is really interesting. And it's mm. almost like even 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 women looking at it would go, it's not look right. So it ends up being that if you do, so I think something like 70-30, that begins to look yeah. right in a sense of how we perceive it. But obviously that's a perception manufactured out of how we're used to seeing it. It's sort of self-perpetuating. Sure. So that's it, yeah. So fascinating that you picked up on that for your own project and saw it through. So that's, so that's off to you. So for the audience who, who, who won't know the process, do you want to talk us through how you got your film into the short film corner? How does that process work? Right, well, um, when I was sort of conceiving and making this film, I very much wanted to use it as kind of a calling card in terms of moving me into the next stage of my film career. Yeah. So I, I very much had uh, the short film corner in my mind. And that, I have to say, is mainly down to the BritFlix podcast. Um, I'm listening to the podcast and having, you know, the guests that you've had on in the past. Yeah. It made me very aware of the importance of Cannes and the film market. So I thought, right, this is what I need to do. I need to get, I need to branch out. I've, I've done film festivals across the UK and independent film festivals. And it's now I need to move into the big league. Yeah. And Cannes is obviously is the big one. So, um, so yeah, I sort of just did some research into the, the feasibility of getting it into Cannes. And there's sort of a couple of options. There's the competition, uh, which you basically, you submit the film to the festival, you pay a submission fee and you may or may not get in. Or the other option, which is a short film corner, which is basically uh, you submit it and you pay the fee, which is about the same, I think. Uh, and that basically, if uh, if can consider it the, the film to have artistic merit and uh, not to be sort of uh, anything pornographic or like snuff or anything, uh, then basically, if it's made to a high standard and it's interesting, they'll pretty much guarantee acceptance into the short film corner. Hmm. Uh, uh, so what that does is it gives you a platform to show your film to other filmmakers, distributors, sales agents, people like that, basically people that you could never get in touch with at my level anyway uh, by any other means. So, you know, because you can send emails to people, but if they don't know you, why would they bother answering? So this coming to Cannes and meeting these people and networking and exchanging details, uh, things are much more likely to happen. Um, so that was kind of my thinking. And the other thing is I made this film on a zero budget. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I self-funded stuff, but um, I didn't pay anyone. Uh, and everyone I sort of begged, borrowed and stole to get the film made. Uh, and everyone was lovely and gracious and it was brilliant. But for me to move forward into film, especially with feature films uh, in mind, I can't justify get freebies anymore. Of course. So I, what I will need to do is I start need to, I need to start getting funding and distribution and upfront money for films. Mm -hmm. And I figure that's why, uh, that's another reason to come to Cannes and, you know, with future projects in mind. So yeah. it was very, the film was very much uh, an, a means to get me to the festival because I could have gone without a film, but I figured if I'm going to go, 
I might as well take a film with me because that the experience of showing it there. Uh, so I had a screening as well. Uh, and how did that go? Yeah, it was great. Um, it was uh, it was a small little uh, screening room. It was only about fifty seats, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a nice little cinema. Uh, it's like a home movie cinema, and I was really pleased because I I hadn't really seen the film as it was intended. And what I mean by that is on a fantastic cinema screen with great sound. Excellent. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd heard the sound and seen it on a computer. <coughs> Yeah, and I'd seen it on a big screen with crappy sound, but I hadn't had the two together. So I was watching it. I was like watching it for the first time, uh, and I was really, really pleased with it. And the feedback was fantastic. Um, the other thing that they re- do, which is really good at the short film corner, is obviously they've got the the library there, yeah. so people can go onto the computers and access all the films at the short film corner any time during the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every day they send stats of how many people have seen your films and then contact details and stuff like that. So what I've been able to do is I've been able to email people and just say, you know, thank you so much for seeing my film. If you could give me a bit of feedback, uh, then I can use it for sort of future promotion. So, um, one of, you know, one of the things I was able to do uh, at the festival, which was great is like I say, meeting with distributors. Okay. So then with, sort of some positive quotes, uh, I can create a sort of new poster and new marketing with that in mind and hopefully increase its chances of of selling it, which is kind of what I'm hoping to do. How did you organise the screening? How was that sorted out? Um, Well, basically, uh, you when you submit the film... Uh, to the short film corner, yeah. uh, which was very much a last minute. I had had a few problems in in post with the sound, uh, which was a bit stressful. So I was literally getting the film in like two days before the deadline. Right. Uh, I had to book my flights and, and accommodation before I knew whether the film was being shown, uh, just because uh, I didn't want to leave it to the last minute. And obviously the prices, if everything goes right up, close as you get to the festival so i just sort of thought well if it doesn't get in then at least i can go to can but it'd be horribly disappointing but at least i i've committed to going um fortunately they got back very quickly uh and said yeah it's it's in uh which is great and then and then what they do leading up to the festival is they send you lots of information so uh, one of the things they send is the opportunity to screen your film and they give you a, like a uh, once a single page form which gives you a variety of different options in terms of which screen you can screen it at and which day to screen it at so there are three screens uh, and three days and i've got i've got my screening room which was the biggest one which is great uh, and i've got my second option for the day uh, but it was a so it was a th- it was a Thursday afternoon, which was quite nice actually because it was uh, it was before all of the the evening screenings, so people were able to come to that and then go on to a red carpet thing afterwards. So that was pretty cool. So so let's think about this. this is, if, as this was your first can, yeah, <clears throat> and you say you'd you'd heard things on the Britflix podcast that was uh, that encouraged you to go. What did you outside of the short film corner experience? What did you discover about can? or about filmmaking that's, that you think is going to uh, be a benefit to you going forward? Well, the thing is, um, I 
first and foremost, you know, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a creative person. Mm. Um, unfortunately, like money and business and things like that don't come naturally to me. Okay. Uh, but uh, I soon realised that they are things that, that you need to kind of get your head round to move forward within the film industry, especially independent film where you haven't got access to accountants and, like, clever money people. Uh, so uh, I'm having to sort of learn uh, some of that stuff myself. Okay. Uh, and I guess the uh, just getting a bit more business savvy around my filmmaking because mm. it's great making films and I could make films to a certain standard as much as I like. I, I'd, I'd, I genuinely believe that people can make films on a really low budget to a high standard now, which they could never do. Before. <coughs> yeah. But the problem is, who's going to see your film? You, you, know, you can put things out on social media, you know, like my page, blah, blah, blah. But you're only going to have that small circle that are going to do that. Mm. So you, you, you're never going to have the reach that a distributor uh, or sales agents have. So mm. that's why you need to build those contacts and meet those people and uh, just get a bit more savvy with it, really. And that's, that's what I'm learning slowly how to do. Um, it's all a bit alien to me, but I, you know, it's something that I need to, to get better at to, to move forward. Basically. So, so what was, without naming names of people you met and stuff, what type of people were you able to meet then while you were in camp? Um, well, uh, basically just there, what was really interesting actually, so oh. just to take this on a slightly detour, but you, you just bear with me. Um, one of the things that I've always been told before going to Cannes was that there's no money in short films. They always, a lot of people say, oh yeah, there's no money in short films because people don't pay to see short films. There's, you know, people go to see feature films. Uh, so it's, it's only a way of getting into festivals and getting awards and kind of getting your name recognised. But one of the things that I learned from going to Cannes this year, which was really interesting, is that a lot of people have said to me that actually there is money in short films because okay. ev because everything's going online now uh, yeah. with video on demand uh, and various streams for people to watch films. Got you. And and there's a there's a there's a niche market. There's a market for people that want stuff that isn't on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, and as we are sort of moving. To you know the YouTube generation, people are more likely to invest ten minutes of their time with something that they don't know than an hour and a half with something they don't know. Of course. So of course. so so there is uh, there is uh, a market for it, and um, a lot of the like I say the big VOD platforms aren't providing that for you know people who want independent art house stuff mm. so so it's really really interesting i had a lot of really interesting conversations with different people uh and uh yeah it's it's uh we'll just have to see really i mean i've got about sort of three or four different avenues that i'm looking at and hopefully you know one of them will will pay off but we'll just have to yeah you know, oh, look it sounds positive so i mean like yeah you know, i'll Hope springs eternal, I suppose. 
Um, but what was your um, what was your view of the um, of the Marche de film? Was that something like you were expecting? I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Um, I mean, the thing is, and you know, I, I learnt this actually from meeting you out there. <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the sort of pitching and the the, um, the the wheeling and dealing of the feature film world happens in the first week, yeah. uh, and I came in the second week for the short film corner. So a lot of that was winding down. But I did have a wander around, and and it was really interesting. Uh, some of to, it, for, the, for the purposes of the audience, you want to describe what it was you were wandering around, what it was you were seeing. <laughs> yeah, it's um, well, it's like a, a market uh, a market stall for uh, selling uh, selling hopes and dreams, uh, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, what's I mean? There's a lot of sort of genuine uh, good people there, which is great. There's also a lot of stuff. Uh, which is basically selling concepts. So there are a lot of film posters for films that don't currently exist, uh, but uh, you know could you know. So you know they're looking. They're essentially looking for funding to make the films happen. Uh, so yeah, you get a lot of random like dog Christmas films and like. You know, Sharknado 10 or whatever, you know, mm. so, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, wheeling and dealing and it was just really interesting, but it, what it did make me think and what I'm sort of hoping to do uh, is for next time that I go yeah. um, is, I mean, the, the, the one thing is it was a massive learning experience and I got a lot from it. Mm. I think I'll get much more out of it next time I go because I have a bit more of an understanding and, and I've got a, a sort of a feature film documentary idea that I'm working on right. uh, which is good because it, it's it, with documentary you can kind of get away with lower budgets uh, and uh, uh, at least in the, the production side of it of anyhow course, yeah. um, but my, my aim is to sort of work on that for the next couple of years and then take it to Cannes and try and get it at, sell it at the marketplace, so right. uh, so that's because uh, I figure like I've, I kind of feel like I've done short films at Cannes, and I, I kind of want to. I, I need to feel like I'm moving forward with it. So I've, like I'm, I want to come for the feature films next time, hmm. whenever that may be. Hopefully sooner rather than later. We'll so what see. what do you think? What would be your kind of number one and two lessons learned that you you got from coming to Cannes? Um. Well, uh, the first one is, <laughs> if <laughs> uh, however much you research uh, about it, you can't really ever imagine or predict what can is like until you've gone. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's it's just a, a, a massive, it's an experience. Um, you know that basically it's all the film industry in all the countries of all the world descend on a square mile. <laughs> Of a, a southern French town, so it's just it's just crazy. Like uh, you know, I couldn't begin to, to describe it. If you, if you haven't been there, it's you've got to go because it's just you know it's like nothing else. Okay. Um. So yeah, get, go uh, and just be be a sponge. Basically, just soak up as much of it as possible, um, and just take as many business cards, flyers, make lots of notes, um, 
network with people and then follow the, the networking up with emails and meet up with people and just build relationships. That's, that's the, the key, is building relationships with people because film is a collaborative medium and you, can't, you, can, you can make films on your own, but you can only make them to a certain scale. Yeah. And, and if you want to make films on a bigger scale, you need to start working with people and collaborating and meeting people because what was really interesting is I met some really fantastic people yeah. that I really hope that I get to collaborate with in the future. So uh, I met a production manager who's based in the south of France who was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he you know, showed me around. He was a, he was a bit of a veteran. Yeah. Uh, he'd been going for, for years. And so he was really accommodating, showed me around, introduced me to people, um, invited me to parties, all kinds of things. And I don't have any plans to make a film in the south of France in the present at the moment, but who knows what will happen, you know, five, ten years down the line, you know, and now, now I've, I've built that relationship with that guy, you know, it's, who knows? So it's just, it's that sort of thing. You meet people and you might not, they might not be people that you work with straight away, but in the future, the project may come along and you think, oh yeah, that guy. He was fantastic. He was really nice and really easy to work with. Let's get in touch. So that's the sort of thing, you know, that happens, I think. Well, I've got to say, you, you, you've reached that conclusion quicker than me. I think it took me a few years before it clicked to me that's what I was doing. Um, yeah, yeah but, I think you're right. I think that's but you weren't good. listening to the BritFritz podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind of you. That's very kind. Sorry to keep kissing your ass, but it is true. Like, uh, like I had learned so much from this podcast, and um, you know, it's that's the great thing about the internet is uh, is there's so much information. You can you know listen to podcasts, go onto YouTube, read blogs. You know, you can soak all of this stuff up mm. uh, a lot easier than you could, you know. Five ten years ago, do you know what I mean? Exactly. So, no, no, totally, totally. So, so, so what next then for uh, Sirens Bay? Well, I'm hoping to, uh, like I say, I'm hoping to get some distribution for it, which mm -hmm. would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've also got a couple of film festivals that I'm hoping to submit it to. One, one of the there's a couple of really good film festivals that have kindly uh, sort of taken interest, and so I'm hoping to send it to them and see what happens with that. Brilliant. Um, and, yeah, just uh, I, I want to try and... I shot it down in Folkestone, mm -hmm. uh, which is the home of Britflix, I believe. Indeed it is, indeed uh, it is. And uh, so I'm hoping to get a local screening sorted out before the year's out as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll just have to watch the space, basically. Brilliant. Well, look, well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. No problem. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. <laughs>